Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works podcast. We'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 99, 48-volt car systems, the whys and what fors. Again, this is one that uh, I'm reading, going to be reading verbatim from an article from, this is actually from an automotive repair trade magazine, as they say. It's actually from a magazine called Motor Magazine, been out for a long time. Uh, I'll give credit, the author is Bill Howard, and uh, so he writes kind of more of a technology type articles. Um, they're, they're very, uh, you know, they're good articles, and this one is about 48 volt uh, car systems, which a lot of people don't realize that. Um, they're very, may very well the car they have now, besides having a 12 volt system, it also has a 48 volt system. Um, I will say up front that they're kind of in the process of, uh, getting away from them. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a technology that is kind of sort of going bye-bye here, but I still thought it was pertinent information. So in any case, here we go. And, oh, also a little commercial, as I've said before on some previous podcasts, um, if you go to podbean.com, which is where this podcast is distributed from, among other places, but that's the main one, and you do a search for Brad Kyle's MotorWorks podcast, uh, you'll see obviously all the different podcasts I've done. But uh, up in the upper right-hand corner of that first web page, there it says "Become a Patron." I have taken some of the podcasts that previously were available for free, and I've put them as where if you make a uh, pay a subscription fee up uh, basically at $5 a month, or you can make it less than that, or you can make it more than that. Um, I have put a number of the podcasts where they're only available <clears throat> as a su- subscription type thing. And the ones I've chose to do that are ones that if you listen to them and apply what I tell you, talk to you about, you can literally save yourself thousands and thousands of dollars uh, over the life of that car or uh, for that matter, your life, let's just say, in regards to car repairs and, and extended service contracts and things like that. So I've specifically taken the ones that, like I say, if you apply the information that I provide you, uh, it makes your car ownership life a lot easier, and you can literally save lots and lots of money and frustration in regards to car repairs. So uh, like I say, it's it's $5 a month. It's month by month. Uh, you can have it for a couple months and, and cancel it. I, it's totally up to you. And, um, you know, like I say, it opens up uh, quite a world of other podcasts that will save you money. So that's enough of that commercial. So 48-volt um, systems. 48-volt technology carries internal combustion vehicles toward the all-electric future, but then goes bye-bye. For two-plus decades, the SAE, that means Society of Automotive Engineers, just for those of you that don't know that, and automakers have been envisioning a 42-volt or 48-volt battery system. Higher voltage, thinner wires, smaller harnesses, more power, augmenting the 12-volt electrical architecture. Circa 1995 to 2000, it was proposed at 42-volt and went pretty much nowhere. In the past decade, the protocol was increased to 48 volts and has had some success now in the U.S. primarily with Fiat Chrysler automobiles with more coming. The 48-volt technology is used now in hybrids and mild hybrids in the name of power, excuse me, in the name of more power across a wider bandwidth with greater fuel efficiency. 
Uses for the higher voltage include to power an electric turbocharger or supercharger, to power a hybrid or mild hybrid, to improve the performance of air suspension as an AC compressor, power steering pump, and anything else currently hanging off the serpentine drive belt, and to improve the performance of seat heaters and windshield defrosters. But now there's less certainty about the longevity of 48-volt power running off of a standalone 48-volt battery. Why? In some parts of the world, now including California, 48-volt is threatened by electric vehicles with main batteries of more than 400 volts. Some electrical accessories that benefit from 48-volt, such as the AC compressor, could still be run off the high-voltage main battery, with others kept at 12-volt rather than up to 48-volt. Why the future uncertainty? Electric vehicles, what's known as EVs, now make up less than 2% of the U.S. market, but the adoption curve would increase rapidly if other states follow California and mandated that only EVs be sold in their states as of 2035. Fifteen years away is two and a half generations for most vehicles, not long at all to amortize R&D that hasn't been done yet. An automaker is unlikely to run 400-volt EV or what's called PHEV, which means plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, cable to two, possibly four seats, just to give occupants totally toasty buns 30 seconds faster than with 12-volt. Did you get that? They're not real keen on running a 400-volt system to your seat to operate seat heaters, okay? I think we can figure out kind of what that, why, why. <laughs> anyway, um, and this is part of why a 48-volt system is 48 volts and not, say, 75 volts or 100 volts. 60 volts is considered the dividing line between low and high voltage, and 48 volts is the cap where fluctuations won't temporarily drive voltage past 60. Even 48 volt requires careful switch design to minimize arcing and contact wear. Okay, this is to go off, off the article. If you think about it, the higher voltage that a switch or any kind of a contact is switching, the higher the voltage there is, there's more potential for arcing when you turn that switch on or off or those contacts are engaged or not. Okay, so it, it can't just be, well, we'll just go as high as we feel like it uh, because even though there's benefits in that, the, the switching of it becomes more potentially problematic. So, okay, back to the article. Sam Abusamid Principal Research Analyst at Guidehouse Insights, who has tracked 48-volt technology, said, Besides the fuel economy and emission benefits of 48 volts, the other big advantage is the added electrical power it provides, going from 2.5 kilowatts to 10 to 12 kilowatts. With many modern vehicles, especially those at the premium end of the market, having so many features, automakers were running out of electrical power. 48 volt volts gives OEMs the headroom they needed. This has enabled the adoption of active suspension and electric boosters, either straight electric compressors or e-turbos, as well as more capable level 2 and level 3 self-driving partial automation, he continued. Even on more mainstream models, electrification of an ancillary systems like coolant and oil pumps, electric brake boost, and even electric AC is possible. The electric boosters provide an opportunity for either more downsizing or more aggressive use of cylinder deactivation without hurting drivability. FCA uses a 48-volt e-torque motor generator on some models of the Ram pickup, the company's best-selling vehicle, and now the iconic Jeep Wrangler. 
it turns them into what were called mild hybrids. A mild hybrid, the opposite turn is hybrid with no modifier, draws power and operates only when the engine is running, whereas, say, a Toyota Prius lets you come home late or slip away early on battery power only without waking anyone. For 2021, the Jeep Wrangler trim lines offer four engine choices, a 3.3-liter V6 with variable valve timing and stop-start, a 2-liter double overhead cam direct-injected turbo with stop-start, a 3.6-liter V6 24-valve VVT, which is variable, well, probably variable valve timing, with e-torque, it's a $1,500 option plus $1,500 for a mandatory automatic transmission and a 3.6 liter turbo diesel with stop start, a $4,500 option plus automatic. Compared to the standard V6 Wrangler, the e-torque V6 rates 22 miles per gallon in city driving, a 4 mile per gallon 22% improvement, while highway driving increases 1 miles per gallon to 24, and combined economy increases 2 miles per two miles per gallon to 22. The diesel's higher price tag nets combined fuel economy, most models other than Rubicon, of 25 miles per gallon combined and 29 miles per gallon highway. J.D. Power found fuel economy was a major dissatisfier among Wrangler owners, so the improvement there and in low-end pickup is helpful on both the e-torque and costlier diesel version. Jeep also intends to bring a plug-in by hybrid drivetrain drivetrain to Wrangler in the first half of 2021. E-Torque on Ram pickups has been offered since the 2019 model year. The Ram system is unique because most applications of a 48-volt motor generator system are on passenger cars and SUVs. Here's how it works for Ram. The Wrangler application is similar. The E-Torque system takes the place of the alternator. Where the alternator on most other vehicles is powered by the accessory belt, on RAM, it's replaced by a 48-volt motor generator connected to the flywheel for power transfer between the engine and a 430-watt-hour lithium-ion battery pack. The nickel-magnanese nickel cobalt, which is called NMC graphite battery, is attached to the cabin wall behind the rear seat. The suitcase size module has a 3-kilowatt DC-to-DC converter, converter to maintain battery state of charge, converts 48 volts to 12 volts to power traditional accessories, and charge the lead-acid 12-volt battery. The e-torque ramps still have a conventional 12-volt starter motor. Ram says it's used for cold starts and first start of the day because of its greater extreme temperature performance. How big is the Ram e-torque 430 watt-hour battery compared to other electrified vehicles and to consumer devices. A smartphone battery stores 5 to 15 watt-hours. A laptop computer ranges from 50 to 100 watt-hours. A total a Toyota Prius hybrid has 4.4 kilowatt-hour battery. That's 4,400 watt-hours. While the plug-in hybrid with the longest EV range, which is a Honda Clarity at 47 miles, has a 17 kilowatt hour battery and the best selling Prius Prime PHEV is 8.8 kilowatt hours. A Tesla Model S pure EV is 100 kilowatt hours. The 2021 Mercedes-Benz S-Class will extend its use of 48 volts. As with the GLE and GLS SUVs, E-active body control counteracts body roll and smooth bumps in the road. It can lean into turns like a motorcycle or at least reduce roll. 
It also enables road surface scan where stereo cameras scan the road for imperfections and make continuous suspension adjustments. The PreSafe Plus Impulse Side Technology watches for a possible side collision and automatically raises the body three inches so more of the impact is absorbed by the floor structure, not the door. Mercedes continues use of the integrated starter generator, what's known as an ISG, available since 2017 to make every vehicle a mild hybrid, what the company calls EQ Boost as opposed to EQ Power for PHEVs and EQ for EVs. Wow. EQ Boost provides a smooth ride, Mercedes says, because the starter generator brings the combustion engine quickly and smoothly to idling speed, making the starting process even smoother, while the restart from coasting operation is barely noticeable. It also provides additional power. 21 horsepower atop the 429 horsepower Turbo 6 and 184 foot-pounds of torque beyond the engine's 384 foot-pounds on the base S500. The Aromatic Active Air Suspension uses 48 volt and even regenerates energy. Every time the suspension compresses on a bumpy road, some of the downward travel is converted to electricity and returned to the 48 volt battery. Mercedes says it can significantly reduce the energy requirement compared to earlier active suspensions. Audi's 48-volt system on vehicles such as the SQ8 and premium midside SUV comprises a lithium-ion battery and a belt alternator starter. It's a mild hybrid system, no electric-only short-distance driving, and can return as much as 12 kilowatts of power. It also promotes efficiency, allowing the engine to be off while coasting, but still maintaining HVAC, which is your heater ventilation system, and AC, infotainment, driver assist, adaptive cruise control, collision warning, and steering and brakes. BMW, one of the last comp companies to back away from passenger cars, SUV diesels, has gone for mild hybrids and PHEVs in a big way. Once the sun... Over the summer, BMW added mild hybrid electrif electrification to 37 more models, giving it 51 models with standard 48-volt starter generators. According to BMW, the mild hybrid technology optimizes the powertrain functioning, provides a power boost when needed, and supports the engine workload in various situations. It rates the 48-volt unit at 10 horsepower, or 8 kilowatts, during starting and acceleration. BMW also has, <coughs> has PHEV models for the 3.5, X3, and X5. The model names N in E, such as X3, X-Drive 30E. By the end of 2021, BMW will offer five EVs, the BMW i3, Mini Cooper SE, BMW iX3, BMW iNext, and BMW i4. BMW's interest in electrification parallels that of virtually every premium European automaker. Audi, Jaguar, Land Rover, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Volvo, and even smaller FCA partners, Alfa and Maserati. For most, China has surpassed the U.S. as their biggest market. Among U.S. automakers, General Motors, having retired the Chevy Volt PHEV, is now going all-in on pure electrics. But PHEVs could return after GM signed a joint development deal with Honda and got hybrid technology. Ford in North America is pushing toward high-voltage hybrid and plug-in hybrid models, plus high-profile electrics, including the Mustang and F-150. For all makers selling in Europe, according to Guidehouse's Abu Samed, 48 volts may become a bridging 
as opposed to long-term technology. Changed fuel economy emissions test procedures made 48 volts seem less fuel efficient, so more focus has gone to PHEVs and BEVs, which is battery electric vehicles. Hyundai, which is researching and releasing virtually every form of automotive locomotion, gasoline, diesel, hybrid, plug-in hybrid, BEV, and even hydrogen fuel cells in cars and over-the-road 18-wheelers, has even created a diesel-mile hybrid for the Tucson compact SUV using a 48-volt system, 1.6-liter and 2-liter diesel engines, a 440-watt 48-volt battery, a mile hybrid starter generator, a DC-to-DC converter, and an inverter. The combination nets Hyundai a 7% increase in fuel economy. It will not come to the U.S., where diesel passenger vehicles have been poor sellers, despite driving ranges of 500 to 700 miles for some vehicles. Other countries are well ahead of the U.S. in adopting plug-ins and EVs. Not surprisingly, it seems to work best in places where the government offers free money or benefits in order to reduce pollution and possibly stave off climate change. I think we all know where that money's coming from. Last year in Norway, 56% of vehicles sold were battery electric vehicles and 19% were plug-in hybrids. Hybrids, diesel cars, and gasoline vehicles split the remaining one-quarter of the market. Residents got tax incentives or exemptions of more than $10,000 per vehicle, free parking and charging, even free passage on ferry boats. Car rides for free, but the driver pays. (laughs) Okay. So, many drivers got free ferry rides that operators are now looking for bailouts to keep from going under. They don't mean the ship is sinking, at least not literally, but obviously it's costing them so much that it's becoming um, not possible to run their ferry boat system. So, now they're looking for help from the government. Yay. Five years ago, 48 volts was showing a lot of promise to extend the life of ice. That means internal combustion engine. In other words, regular uh, you know, gasoline or diesel engines. Guidehouse's Abu Samed said of internal combustion engines, but now it's looking like more of a challenge than ever. Why? The EV-only fu- future was believed to be a long way off, with room for ever cleaner PHEVs, PZEVs, parcel zero emission vehicles, maybe clean diesel. That was before the fall of 2020, when California Governor Gavin Newsom said any new car sold as, 20, as of 2035 in the Golden State must be zero emission, meaning a battery electric vehicle or a fuel cell vehicle that converts hydrogen to electricity. Hybrids or plug-in hybrids won't be good enough. Whether this mandate is enforceable may end up being decided in court. Some 21 countries have proposed, if not enacted, earlier bans of ICE vehicles. Norway, the world leader in EV adoption per capita, is examining a 2025 ban. The UK, Denmark, and Sweden, and the Netherlands are targeting 2030. The industry can still benefit from 48-volt technology, but the lifespan might be short as 15 years. That's the end of the article. Uh, I certainly, me, living in California, I certainly heard about the you know proposal or uh, ban of uh, ICE vehicles beyond 2035 that in California. Now, that certainly allows you to, yes, you can still keep what you have if you have a internal combustion engine. You don't have to get rid of it. Uh, in some respects, the government really can't, <laughs> they can't force that issue. Uh, they could make the cost of operation uh, potentially a lot higher. But in any case, the, the thing that's kind of interesting is relatively shortly after he put that 
regulation out there, which sounds like a really neat thing. Um, if nothing else, it was either the power companies in California and or the EPA uh, wrote him a letter and, of course, had to remind him that in California, I mean, it's especially during the summertime, bottom line is, is we can't even get through a summertime without potential brownouts or blackouts because people using air conditioning and so on and so forth. So the bottom line is, uh, Mr. Governor, uh, if the power grid can't even support people using the AC during the day on different days of the summer, what makes them think that it's going to, you're going to be able to recharge your car at night? Okay. Now, I realize people are going solar, uh, which certainly that technology is constantly changing. There's more powerful uh, solar cells that are available that will potentially not only power your house, but also recharge your car. That's a great thing. Uh, the other side of it is that, you know, the power grid itself, besides the idea of not being able to generate necessarily enough power, but, you know, understand that the power grid, I mean, those are cables and they are specific sizes and they're designed to only be able to handle so much amperage. So just because you already have cables and wiring going to your house and in your house doesn't mean that you can just arbitrarily start adding more and more amperage draw um, you know, through your circuit breaker box. In other words, we're talking about a complete rebuild of the power system, okay, to be able to go all electric. So there's a lot more things involved than just writing a proposed legislation and saying, hey, look what I did today, okay? Um, you know, and, and guess who gets to pay for all that? So we'll see, you know. In the meantime, you know, drive what you drive, and realize that what you already have may very well have a 48 volt, volt system in it. So I hope this has been uh, pertinent for you as far as information. Uh, if nothing else, if you don't have a car that has 48 volts in it, maybe you have a better understanding of uh, what, why they went to that. And it's going to be apparently a little bit more short-lived than uh, what people thought uh, because of, again, because of this force to go to full electric vehicles in California by 2035. We'll see, you know, um, and people shouldn't fool themselves. I know I talked about on another podcast about uh, <clears throat> the potential amount of, of toxic substances that are released or, or produced when solar cells are made, okay? Uh, I did some research on that, and if you're really concerned about the world environment, if you ever do get solar, solar for your house, you want to make sure the solar panels are made either in this country, in the U.S., or in Europe, okay? Because they care about the environment and they take care of those toxic wastes. In Asia, not so much, okay? They really don't seem to give a rip. So uh, there's one particular city where the, the, the vast majority of solar cells are made for the world, and that place is slowly becoming a, basically a, a poisonous place to live, okay? And they don't seem to really care. Okay, and they can make choices. There is some of the chemicals that are produced or released because of solar cell manufacturing. If given the proper equipment, that that those compounds can be either recycled or basically they're they're like cleaned up, they're filtered. Well, I'm not going to go into the whole technology, but they can be reused. But it costs a lot of money to do that, and so the Asians want to have you know the lowest price, whether they want to corner the market, whatever. And so they choose not to do that with this expensive equipment. And so basically these nasty chemicals get dumped into basically a, a toxic lake and they seep into the groundwater and then there we are. Okay, so 
if you are going solar or you're thinking about it, um, you know, definitely find out where the panels are made if you care. Okay, so that's about it for this one. I hope you found it informative. And uh, I, I personally, as of this date, which this is uh, November of 2020, I have not worked on a 48-volt system on a BMW. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to come across my, my shop at some point. So I don't have firsthand experience necessarily. But they are out there. And um, you go from there. Appreciate you listening. Uh, if you ever want to get a hold of me uh, via email or if you'd like to be on, I do produce a monthly newsletter that talks about the podcast and kind of what, I'm, what I have done and what I'm going to be doing the next month. Uh, you can email me at bkpodcast5 at gmail.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. And uh, again, you know, check out the podbean.com, Brad Kyle's Motorworks uh, podcast website. And would appreciate it if you'd be willing to support me and, uh, you know, get some more information that's very valuable. And it also helps to kind of uh, pay for ongoing training and, and tooling and so on and so forth. So I appreciate you looking into that. I uh, hope you have a great day and a fantastic tomorrow. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you. And thank you again.